David? Yeah. It happened. It happened. There's a break in the case. Now again, you keep saying the case like there's only one. Which one? The first case, David. The Swedish Jewel Heist case? The Swedish Jewel Heist. Swedish authorities have arrested a second suspect in connection with the theft of the Swedish crown jewels from Stregnes Cathedral. Now, I don't believe those eyewitnesses for a second, though. I'm sure there's a fourth, fifth, sixth group. I'm sure it was like a whole army of guys that came and took these jewels. I don't trust the eyewitnesses that say they were only two guys. But anyway, continue. Uh, so not a whole lot is known at this point. What we do know is that a person of interest was arrested and they are currently being interrogated. I wonder what the Swedish interrogation style is. I have a feeling it's it's less Jack Bauer and like more Mr. Bean. I don't know. I uh, imagine it's like you just had your dinner. No chocolate. <laughs> Something else that was that was released in connection with this story was they they released the description of the two suspects that was initially given, I guess, uh, to like local authorities. And uh, here's how here's how the two suspects were initially described. Right. One suspect was described as 180 centimeters tall, skinny, and was wearing a light beige jacket and dark long pants. Too descriptive for you? The second suspect was slightly shorter than 180 centimeters, heavier, had on a dark jacket, and possibly a slightly red item of clothing below like below the jacket. What is it? Is that mean pants? Does that mean shorts? Does that mean shoes? I don't know. And had dark hair or something dark on the on his or her head. So essentially they were looking for two humans. Were these two guys traveling faster than the speed of sound? Is that why no one got a good look at them? So maybe they're on a horse, maybe they're on a jet ski, maybe they're on a boat. They don't know. They were going too fast. My initial reaction was, wow. The Swedish police work needs needs some help, but the fact that they could actually catch these two individuals based on these two descriptions, I think maybe they're far more advanced than we give them credit for. Yeah, yeah, it's not the not the Swedish police force that we should be worried about. It's the population. It's the it's the civilians that need a little help there on their uh, observation skills. Yeah. So, order is about to be restored in Sweden. The crown jewels still missing. So. Uh, Maybe on the black market somewhere. I don't know. Maybe these two guys two guys are just the fall guys. They're the patsies. So we'll see. We're going to continue to follow the story like no other podcast is. Uh, not because it's not interesting. Obviously, the numbers, our ratings bear out that this is a very interesting topic. So I know what's going to happen with this story. Uh, Vladimir Putin is going to have his <laughs> next official photo- uh, photograph come out. and He's going to be wearing the crown jewels. <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Putin. Just Putin it out there. You can end it now. That was bad. That was bad. Just end it. (laughs) This is Subjectively Correct Sports, the only podcast in the known universe featuring a couple of guys talking about sports. Who are up to no good. Uh, started, started making, making trouble, trouble in the neighborhood. neighborhood. I got in one little fight. My mom got scared and said, You're moving to Sweden with these two suspects in Bel Air. Really good. Oh, okay. That was almost good. <laughs> and Swedish Jewel Heist. I'm finally getting some closure, but we're going to keep uh, cracking that case. We're not going to crack it. Apparently, the Swedish police are amazing at their jobs because they're told, Hey, two guys were here and they found them. So that's impressive. I think the only reason they uh, are pursuing them is because the heat this podcast is putting on them. I think so. We put a lot of public pressure 
on the government of Sweden to get the job taken care of over there, and they did. I think sending you over there put them over the top. I think you going to Sweden in the yeah. middle of this investigation, they were like, oh, Anthony Montague from Subjectively Correct Sports Podcast is here. We better step up our game. So kudos to Anthony for helping solve this case. You're welcome. Yeah. So make sure you uh, subscribe, uh, leave us a review, click that five-star button, and uh, follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at dphenderson1515. I will occasionally tweet sports stuff. And you can follow Anthony at AG Montague. He used to be an egg on Twitter. Now it's the subjectively correct logo on Twitter. So really easy to find. Yep, that's me. Check me out. Follow me for all my awesome insight on life. You never tweet. Uh, a lot going on in sports. We talked earlier about there, this being one of the busiest times in sports. Now that baseball has ended, it just feels like NFL and NBA just get ratcheted up even more. And uh, more on the uh, NBA later. But this week in the NFL, some pretty interesting stuff happened. Um, would you mind if I took the floor for a second to talk about uh, what's become one of my new favorite subjects? No, I think the floor is is apt for you. Yeah. Thank you. So, uh, the best 49ers quarterback of all time was betrayed by bad calls, unfortunate tipped balls, ended up being interceptions and things like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I guess that happened a little bit to Montana. Yeah. That's... Uh, who? Oh, we're talking about uh, Steve Young? Who? Uh, uh, Jeff Garcia? No, I'm talking about oh. Nick Mullins. What's that now? Nick Mullins. Oh. Mullins? Yeah, with an L and a W. Mullins. Okay. Right? So... I watched that entire game. Heaven help me. Oh I'm my excited. Goodness. Yes, I'm excited. About, yes, I watched the one and seven Giants. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. The two. What was it? The, two, the, uh, the two and seven Niners and the one and seven Giants. I watched right. that entire game because it's Monday Night Football. I wanted to watch some football, and my favorite team happened to be playing with the best quarterback they've ever had. So of course I'm going to watch. Eli Manning. I don't like the Giants, oh, okay. and Eli Manning isn't the best quarterback currently on their roster. <laughs> He's not. Yeah, well. They're going to point to this I don't game think like... A, I don't think a quarterback is actually their best quarterback, right? Didn't they have a Didn't they have a play earlier in the season where it was like one of the running backs or receivers actually yeah, I think, threw the touchdown? Yeah, yeah, and it was the best pass they'd, they'd had all year, right? <laughs> but what, what drives me nuts is in this very, like, what have you done for me lately league, we only look at the last week, they're going to see Eli Manning lead a game-winning drive, and they're going to say, oh, you see, he still got it. He can still do it. He's still the Eli of old. Um He's not, okay? He got lucked out. He didn't get lucked out. He got bailed out in that game, and they didn't deserve to win that game. They really didn't. But anyway, can you tell I'm kind of grumpy about having to watch that entire game? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't wish that on anyone, so kudos to you for actually sticking through that one. The Niners have a really exciting young tight end named Kittles, and it seems like in the league right now you need a dynamic, productive consistent tight end and the Niners have one and yeah. I'm really excited about that he looks weird though he looks like he looks like if Gordon Hayward had a really big helmet on oh, oh. so he looks like Gordon Hayward just with a big helmet yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. but like a helmet that's too big for him I'm not saying like a, a football helmet on I'm saying like if you gave Gordon Hayward a football helmet but it was like four sizes too big like a dark helmet what Spaceballs. Oh, <laughs> Lord Helmet. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You give him a Lord Helmet sized helmet. That's what that's what Kittles looks like. Yeah. But he is athletic. He is fast, and he is big. He's exactly what the tight ends need to be in this day and age. So you couple that with the best quarterback the 49ers have ever seen, and a good coach in Kyle Shanahan, mm. and they're gonna be they're gonna be okay in a few years. They have a young running back named Brita, 
who is showing a lot of talent. He's a little undersized, but he's got skill out of the backfield as a receiver as well. So I, I'm optimistic about the 49ers. Cautiously optimistic because you got to put the pieces around the best quarterback of all time. And we've seen what's happened. Oh, not in, all, in, in franchise history. And we've seen what happens in places like Green Bay. You got to put yeah. the pieces together. That's, um, yeah, what you just said about their, the tight end, that's, it kind of makes me think about like, what if, what are, we all know that the quarterback is the most important position in sports, right? And, and in football, if you don't have a good quarterback, you don't have a good team. Uh, there's like, three exceptions in football history where like the team winning the super bowl just had an amazing defense and it's like great running game and they had a quarterback who just didn't lose them the game right they're always outliers yeah we're looking at you joe flacco (laughs) but for sustained success um you need you need a really good quarterback but what are those what are the other you know handful of positions that that are most important, I think, or I guess, to to having a successful football team. I think tight end is is probably what an underrated position. Yeah, in today's NFL, especially a tight end that can that can pass block, run block, and run efficient like good routes mm-hmm. and and catch the ball. That's really what's important for a tight end these days. They have to be good all around tight ends. They have to be able to be out there uh, every down and be a threat every play to either be a productive blocker or receiver. Yeah, and if you look at like the Patriots as an example, because I don't, I don't know if we have a better example of su- sustained success over the last decade and a half. Alabama. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, counterpoint. Yeah. Are we just talking NFL though? You're just talking NFL right okay, now. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Um, because I think in college, you can just have superior talent, right? If you have a, if you have a good coach who knows how to use his talent, um, and you recruit well, you'll be fine. You'll have su- sustained success. But in the NFL, um, there's obviously Tom Brady. And then Gronkowski's been there for what? I mean, it seems like almost a decade at this point. It's been a long time. I mean, he's he was contemplating retirement before this year, and he's been hurt. And this week against the Titans, it showed. Mm. The Patriots offense just looked a little more constipated than it normally does, right? They even try to trick play. That trick play where they give it to someone like on a little reverse, and they try to do like a throw back to Tom Brady. Right. Tom Brady caught it took like three steps and stumbled and fell. Yeah. It, it was kind of sad. And then like a few minutes later, the Titans did the same play and it was like watching it was like watching the uh, old man softball team try to turn a double play and then watching like the Braves turn a double play. It was like athletic and it was gorgeous and it looked good and it was like, "Oh, that's what you guys are trying to do? Cute." So yeah, 41-year-old Tom Brady actually was starting to show his age this week. Uh but but you think about the Patriots offense especially over the last a uh, decade or so, slot receiver, another huge thing, right? But but they haven't had just one. It's almost been plug and play, right? They've had Amendola, they've had uh, uh, Woodhead, they've had Edelman. Edelman. It's yeah, it's West Welker. That's definitely a system position for yeah. them. Where like whoever you put in there is going to be productive and successful because a scheme and b Tom Brady makes great decisions pre snap and then post snap he gets the ball out real mm-hmm. quick. But what's interesting is those same players that are super productive for the Patriots go elsewhere and they kind of disappear. Yeah. I mean, except for uh, Vinatieri. Yeah, well that's that's a little different. <laughs> yeah. So if you look at the landscape of the NFL right now, NFL's kind of crazy. Do you know what two teams have a better record than the Patriots in the AFC? Oh, just in the AFC? Just uh, in the AFC. The Chiefs, the Chiefs, and the uh, who else? The Chargers. The, the Those Chargers? The L.A. Chargers. The Phil Rivers Chargers? The Homeless Chargers. Yeah. Yeah. There were talks at the beginning of, of the season of, like, 
where where will this team go? Like, will anyone even invest for them to buy a stadium? Right? Like, uh, they have no fans. Most of the players, most of the the fans showing up to the games are rooting for the opposite team. Uh, and they started off. I think it was at one point their record was two and two or three and two. Um, no, they they were two. They were sorry, one and two. They've won six straight. They're now seven and two. The Patriots are seven and three. Right. So the Chargers, uh, I mean, Philip Rivers, again, one of those quarterbacks who's had, he's been good his whole career. Uh, it just seemed like he never peaked at the right time when, when he had awesome teammates at the beginning of his career. Uh, but he's Melvin Gordon, right? What a pick, what a, what a pick that was for the, for the Chargers. He's been awesome. Um, and yeah, it just seems like they're doing, they're doing everything right. And they're winning football games. They haven't lost in seven weeks. I think there's a weird West Coast bias. Like if your games are on the West Coast, you tend not to get as much attention. You know, especially if you have late games and stuff like that. Yeah. So it, it's more prevalent in the NBA and Major League Baseball because you have so many games going on all the time. Mm-hmm. But I think it happens in the NFL too. There's this East Coast bias when it comes to these teams. So Yeah. And and you think about the Chargers, like I said, you think about Rivers and you think about Gordon, but it's really their defense that's that's kept them in a lot of these games or, or why the reason why they've won a lot of these games, if you look at points against, they've allowed the fourth fewest points in the AFC. So, and their, their point differential, we talk about that in, in ba- baseball a lot is a good, your point differential being a good indicator for, for how successful your team will be. They've got the fourth highest in the AFC. So obviously they're doing something right. The, the one league or the one, sorry, the one division that, is just bad and like you look at the point differentials there and it makes no sense is the nfc east so we're just talking about the giants right yeah the redskins are leading the division at six and three they have a point differential of one plus one yeah they've scored one more point than their opponents this season but they've won six and lost three so that just means they're barely winning games and then they're getting blown out of games right Cowboys actually have the second highest point differential in the division. They're sitting at four and five with a plus ten. Eagles, defending Super Bowl champions, they're four and five plus fifteen. They have the highest point differential in the in the conference, but they're in third. And tell, tell the Giants, tell the Giants point differential. <laughs> uh, negative fifty one. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. So and that that team beat my team. That's an ugly division. It's our it's our home division too. In Dallas, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's just not a whole lot of good football being played in that division right and now. And I'm sorry. I know we probably have Dallas fans that listen. Yeah. Uh, coworkers and stuff, that we people we know here. And I'm sorry, but Jerry Jones might be the problem. Oh, no, he's definitely the problem. He is so meddlesome. And he is, I think he's so like... Well, he's, he's meddlesome, but, but not in the right ways, right? Like, for some reason, he's not getting rid of Jason Garrett. And Jason Garrett needs to be gotten rid of. Right, yeah. they need a new head coach. They need a new voice in that locker room. But for whatever, I think Jason Garrett has some photos of Jerry Jones. There's I'm something. just throwing it out there. He's got something on Jerry Jones that's kept him in this job for so long. Well, I think this is a pretty common thing that happens to business owners and guys that run businesses, guys and women that run businesses, is they get older. There are new ways of doing things. There's new innovations that they just can't quite keep up with. But then they keep doing it the old way and they kind of get left behind. And eventually it's time for them to be let go and it's time for someone else to step in and take over running the company, right? That happens quite a bit in business. 
And now we have that same thing going on with Jerry Jones, but he's not stepping down. He's hanging on to that that star forever, but he needs to go. I mean, the decisions he makes with personnel is not great, and he needs to stop running uh, football operations. It's real tough to fire the owner. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It really is. Uh, I think they made a good decision letting Des Bryant go, though, because two days into his time with the with the Saints, he ruptured his Achilles. Yeah. So I'm not saying that would have happened if he was playing for the Cowboys, but they obviously saw something in his training and in his medical records or something that they effectively hided from the Saints that they didn't want him on their team. And then he doesn't play a single down for the Saints. So that would have been cool to see uh, Drew Brees throwing to uh, Des Bryant, but they didn't need him anyway. They won by like 14,000 points against whoever they played this week, the the Cincinnati Bengals. So yeah. uh, take that for what it's worth. I, I would have liked to have seen him with with Drew Brees and see if he could have gotten his career back on track. But, oh, well, ho- hopefully uh, he rehabilitates uh, well and, and comes back next season. Um, so there's four things we know in, in the NFL, and that it's the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Rams, and the Saints are good. After that, I don't really know anything else. Even the Patriots, I don't know if they're good because – they have some really bad losses on their record. Yeah, the Titans this week is one of those. It really is. And I think with Gronkowski out, that really changes their offense and it makes it a lot more difficult for them to run the schemes they want to run. So, of course, having one of, if not your best offensive weapon out makes it really hard for you to win games consistently. But they gave up 34 points to the Titans. 34. So their offense obviously wasn't able to get it done without Gronkowski in the lineup. And now... You're giving up 30-plus to the Titans, who haven't been putting up 20 against anybody? That's a problem. Yeah, their, their defense is real suspect this year. Just just the three losses they have, they lost 31-20 to the Jaguars in Week 2. That And that's Blake Bortles. You gave up, <laughs> Bortles. 31, you gave up 31 to Bortles. 26-10 to 10 loss in the third week to the Lions. And then this week's 34-10 to 10 loss to... The Titans. Um, and so. And, and they also gave up 31 points to the Bears in a win. Yeah. So that's not great. And six to the Bills. Six to the Bills. Yeah, come on. Dude, the Bills beat the Jets down this week. Did you see that? <laughs> that Those two teams are so bad. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of bad teams in the, in the it NFL. It does feel that way. It does there's, feel like there, there's like a few elite teams yeah, who are real great think, and then a lot of bad ones. It's like the quarterback situation. They're like yeah. a few really great quarterbacks who we know these quarterbacks are really, really good. Uh, Nick Mullins, mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and, and Drew Brees. And then you have this mediocre and then really bad ones. And the teams kind of mirror that too. Yeah, it's, it's kind of been a weird season. Maybe most seasons feel like this, but this one feels really weird. Like I really have a a poor handle on which teams are good other than the four teams i said like i don't know who's good and i wouldn't be surprised i think the steelers are good i do think they're good they, they had a rough start to the, to the year they really come into their own um but, and, and apparently they don't need Le'Veon bell yeah apparently not who didn't report and so he's not eligible to play at all this year crazy you know what he just did though he just added a year to his career maybe more because nfl football uh, like running backs get beat up and having a year off might do wonders for his health. Maybe. But you have to wonder what kind of contract he's going to get. Just because if I'm another owner and I see what he did this year, right? And, and I've said before, I don't begrudge anyone from doing what they think is necessary to get their money. But if I'm another owner, what kind of contract do I give 
Le'Veon Bell. How old is he? He's almost 30 years old, right? He's not that old, no. Okay, well, however old he is. Um, he, he sat out. His team is going to go to the playoffs, most likely, right? They're going... They could possibly compete for for a Super Bowl this year. Look, they have the the right trajectory, but he sits out. He continues to sit out. How old is he? He's twenty six. Number twenty six? No, no, that's his age. <laughs> okay, all right, twenty six. Um, yeah, okay, two thousand. Well, okay. Um, you didn't believe me? You you fact checked me? No, I just want to see when he was drafted. It feels like he's been in the league a lot longer than than five years. So. Because he's been really good since he got into the league. He's yeah. he's an, he's talented enough. That any owner, if he came to you and said, I want to play for your team in free agency, you would be a moron. You'd be Jerry okay. Jones to not pick him up. Yeah, but, okay. But he's under contract right now, and he has a, a, he's got a decent contract. It probably doesn't reflect his value right now, but but it's still really good. And the fact that he is sitting out to try and renegotiate it, if I'm a new owner, or if I'm an owner, if I give him a contract, all I can do is think I'm getting him for one year, Right. Because he may, if he has a good year, what are the chances that he sits out again to try and renegotiate? And do I want that, right? Are, are running backs that important? Right? And I think the Steelers are proving that maybe not. If they, if they, can, if they can just plug in someone else into the same scheme and, and have a successful season, why, why break the bank to pay a Le'Veon Bell? Le'Veon Bell is to running backs as Julio Jones is to receivers. He's not just some whatever running back. Le'Veon Bell is a once-in-a-generation type running back who can do it all. He can run for power. He can run for speed on the outside. He can receive out of the backfield. He does everything his team needs him to do. He's young. He's healthy. And he's not getting paid what he's worth. So I think when you when you talk about the NFL running back, he's a cut above the running backs of the NFL. So we need to treat him differently than we treat the standard NFL running back. But again, if I'm an owner, he's one bad hit away from his career being over. Every player is that in the NFL. Right. And so why is the value he's bringing me so different from any other good running back that I would pay that premium and risk not being able to have a complete roster around him because i'm giving so much money to him right like what's what's the value i'm sure there's some statistic out there a wins over replacement for football uh but like it, it does it really merit that monster salary i don't know it, I, I think it does and like you said if you really don't if, if running backs are kind of a dime a dozen like someone could step in and, and perform his role why not take a chance on having a dynamic one of the best running backs we've seen in the last 20 years in the NFL, why not take a risk on having him on your roster if your backups can come in and do a reasonable job behind him? I think it's worth the risk to have a talent like that on your roster. Yeah. So Le'Veon Bell, his career yards per attempt are 4.3, right? James Conner, who's his replacement this season, 4.7. Sample size. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, in any given year, any running back can can have a, a really good year, right? And so if, if if you can pay, I mean, I don't know what James Conner is making. I would guess it's not a lot of money. Probably around what I'm making. <laughs> yeah. And so if you have, but, but, but he's not, it's not like that's an anomaly. You see that all the time, running backs who we didn't know their names last season, 
they're leading the league in rushing or they're near the top, right? But then what happens to them the next year and the year after that? They, they're well, not that, consistent. Yeah, and and Le'Veon so Bell find, gets you consistency. You find someone else. You use that $20 million and you get yourself a really good line. And so it doesn't matter who you have in the backfield. But the problem is the... The, the turnover is so bad on, on offensive lines right now in the NFL. Everyone's looking to get that offensive line. Like the Dallas Cowboys had one of the best offensive lines we've ever seen two years ago. And now because of players moving or getting released or being traded, whatever, that offensive line looks very different now and it's starting to show uh, on the Dallas Cowboys. So, I mean, you cannot bank on just getting a great offensive line. Just like you can't bank on every year your replacement running backs are going to have that one season where they play above their their normal level. But Le'Veon Bell has consistently showed he can play at a high elite level and be super valuable for you in the backfield. So go with what you know is going to be high quality. Here's what I know. A guy making 14 plus million dollars a year doesn't want to play the game. And if I'm an owner, I don't want that guy on my team. Woo! That got a little heavy. But you know what's going to lighten the mood? It's David's Hot Take Minute in 15. What? 14. <laughs> Can we just... 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. What do Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Roger Staubach, Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, and Rich Gannon all have in common? Gannon the Cannon? The one and the same. They all lost. Nick Mullins <laughs> will be fine, everyone. He is still the best Niners QB ever. They all lose. <laughs> the Packers do everything in their power to negate the best quarterback ever. Even with all that going on, they beat the Dolphins 31-12. Chris Paul versus NBA refs is one of the most interesting matchups you will see all NBA season. Chris Paul goes out of his way to bother the refs when he's mad at them, like dropping the ball like 20 feet away instead of rolling it to him or something like that. It's hilarious. Rajon Rondo has been trying to get an opposing player to give him a high five after they shoot a free throw all season. He finally got one this week. That's the most success he'll have in a Lakers uniform. Oh. Yeah. The NFL is getting more and more exciting. Teams can celebrate now. Wait, they penalized the best celebrations from the last two weeks? What the heck, NFL? You need to be in or out on these celebrations. Stop messing with my head. Carmelo Anthony just outplayed everyone. He got paid, no, not on the court, off the court. Very important distinction. Carmelo Anthony just outplayed everyone off the court. He got paid to go to a team, be awful, get released, and then signed by another team who will give him another contract, aka more money. I feel comfortable saying it's no longer about basketball for Melo. Melodrama. Mm. Yeah. I also feel comfortable saying... I was so right about Melo. So much standing around, so little helping. There you go. There's David's hot take minute. Okay, wait. I have a couple things. I have a couple follow-ups to your hot take minute. Okay, we don't normally do this. I usually like to let the art stand on its own. Yeah. But okay, I'll, I'll take an exception and answer questions. Okay, so... You need me to pull it up again? Okay. Yeah, let, let yeah me... pull, pull it up. I need, okay. I, okay, so your your rationale for the fact that Nick Mullins... No, Mole wins. Mole wins will be a good quarterback. No, he's already the best okay. Niners quarterback okay. ever. I thought we've already talked about that for the your, last your two argument, weeks. I feel like you don't listen. Your argument that everything will be fine is that everyone else who's also a good quarterback has also lost. So this is just okay. Everything will be fine because he's not. He's losing just like 
all the other good quarterbacks have lost? Yes. <laughs> Strong point. Okay. And yeah, you had a lot of NBA drama in uh, in your in your hot take. Minute. A lot of melodrama. A lot of melodrama. I'm proud of that one. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm really proud of that line. Yeah. I wrote it myself. Congratulations. I didn't even read it on Twitter. I didn't. I didn't go to the Pinterest of podcasters. So. You know, the NBA, it from a pure basketball standpoint, like the competitiveness of the NBA, it's hard to uh, get too excited about it this early in the season. Yeah. But it's super easy to get excited about the drama in the NBA because it is nonstop. Um, and some interesting, th- interesting things happened in the NBA this, this uh, week. So Jimmy Butler finally got released or well released from his current situation got traded from the minnesota timberwolves to the philadelphia 76ers trust the process the process seems to be working they had to give up uh, some good pieces robert covington dario saric and uh other and it, people and i think a, a draft pick I <laughs> and think. yeah it, but what's what's interesting to me about this butler situation is he there were better offers on the table and it just seems like tom thibodeau dropped the ball yeah well, yeah, so, so I, I, I kind of get why he maybe didn't want to trade him to Houston. There, there were reportedly four number one picks on the table for for uh, for Butler from Houston. Now you have to factor in what what number, like those were probably going to be in the 20s, and what other restrictions did, did Maury have on, on those picks. But I, I think St- you don't look at those picks like they're going to be draft picks for you. You do what Danny Ainge did in Boston, yeah. and you leverage those picks into good players like Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, I guess, or ho- ho- uh, Hayward came over. Holla, <laughs> Hayward had a stroke halfway through the word Hayward. Uh, Hayward came in over free agency, but yeah. a lot of the things that they picked up were through trading those draft picks and things like that. Those assets carried a lot of weight in the NBA, and you don't necessarily have to make the picks with them. So I think it was ridiculous yeah. to not take those four first round draft picks. I, you know, something about Thibodeau, I, it always seems to me like he's trying. He's in win now mode. Like he's always pushing his players. Beyond like what's necessary, right? Like and, he, Jimmy Butler was supposed to be on a win, uh, minutes restriction, mm-hmm. and he played like ten minutes over that that minutes restriction, which in the NBA is like one fifth of the game. So he played one fifth of a game over his limit uh, minutes restriction. Yeah, and so I think um, while while That's four while four number one picks would be super enticing to most NBA GMs who have young teams or are rebuilding. I, I think Tib Tibbs still thinks like his team is competitive, and so why not get some guys who can play right now and help help this season? I'm not saying it's the right call. I'm just trying. I'm trying to get into his mind, and uh, and oh, I think that. You want me to help set the tone for that? Ready? Sure. I don't know why more players don't want to play for him. I need a drink. Uh, so. That, the Minnesota side of it is is uh, is interesting with Tibbs, and I don't know. I, you know, I feel bad for these players going over to to the to the Timberwolves, but I'm I'm actually more interested in the Philadelphia side because now you have a three-headed monster with Joel Embiid, the best center in the NBA, not named Anthony Davis, and maybe just the best center in the NBA. I mean, he's he's been awesome. Ben Simmons, uh, awesome. He's gonna win his second Rookie of the Year award. Two years in a row. <laughs> <laughs> and now Jimmy Butler, who is is good on both sides of the, the court. And, and that's the key with him. A great two-way player, which yeah. I feel like is something that the 76ers needed. 
um, not desperately, but they needed to take it to that next level. Yeah, so so with him and Ben Simmons on the wing defending, they're gonna have a great team defensively. At least at least three great defenders. Um, we'll see we'll see what kind of team they put around. They still have Markel Fultz, who has forgotten how is not just forgotten how to shoot. It's like he forgot how to shoot and then went to the Charles Barkley golf swing of shooting. I was like, gonna say that. Yeah, I like, was gonna say it's the Charles Barkley golf swing of basketball shooting there's there's a video of him taking a free throw from from a couple days ago against the miami heat and he pump fakes on his free throw and it's not not to get people into the lane it's just, which is not legal by the right. way he just he has a really weird shooting mechanic now and it's like he's scared to shoot the ball did you hear what he said happened no he said the ball slipped oh yeah does that make you want to pat him on the head uh that, I I really do feel bad for him because he was amazing in college. Yeah, like he was the clear number one pick. No one, it, when 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 Philadelphia traded the number three pick and uh, and future picks for for the right to draft him, no one said that's a bad trade for Philadelphia. No one, right? Even though the Celtics got Jason Tatum and and they have a decent uh, decent draft pick this year because of it. Uh, Danny Ainge. Yeah, the anti-Thibodeau. So I don't know. I I don't want to give the Celtics that much credit that they knew like he was going to be a bad player. I think they just were sold on Tatum. I think they they knew that Tatum would be special. And maybe they just needed that position, right? Maybe. So, uh, whatever. But regardless, everyone knew that Fultz was the right pick at number one, and so you can't blame the 76ers for picking him. But it's just, I mean, it's it's looking like bust. We're like in bust land right now. I don't know. It's it's weird. And so, but if he ever regains anything close to his college form, um, that's a really good core core group of guys. If they can get Butler to re-sign, which it sounds like he's he's amenable to, uh, they've got a they've got a really bright future, especially in the talent depleted East. Right. And so now you look at the East, and the East really is three teams right now. It's the Raptors, it's I'm the Sixers, a doing what I can. To the appearance of man. Thank you? That just... Yeah. Give yourself a little train of thought toot toot, because <laughs> mine is gone. I was talking about Mrs. Doubtfire for our uh, loyal listener. So, uh, three teams. Really good movie. From uh, uh, Raptors. Was like 94 or something like that. Now I'm thinking of Jurassic Park. Dang. Okay. Uh, Raptors, Celtics, and, and 76ers. Now the Milwaukee Bucks... Are kind of like the upstart on the block, right? They they will be they will be good for years because Giannis Antetokounmpo can start his uh, gather from the half court line and dunk it <laughs> like Space Jam. He's like real life Space Jam. Like you watch some of his dunks that looks like real life Space Jam, where the arm stretches, you know, and he dunks it. Well, he doesn't really dunk it; he releases it up high. Yeah, it's the and greatest non dunk of all time. Yeah, uh, well, no, Javale McGee. Hmm. Because he misses his dunks. Oh, he, but when he misses, he misses the yeah. right way. Yeah. I mean, the other team we're, we're not talking about is the Pacers. And I don't know if they're going to go far in the playoffs at all, but they got a really young, exciting, good team. So. Oladipo has come into his own yeah. in Indiana. It's been fun to see that because I liked him as a player when he was with the Magic. And then when he went somewhere else, I think he played for a really sad year with the, uh, with the Thunder. And just got overshadowed by that tornado named Russell Westbrook, which yeah. tends to happen to everybody. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I like Oladipo a lot. But really, all all of the 
the important action in the NBA, as it has been for the last decade, sans LeBron James, is in the West, right? The greatest, greatest basketball is always taking place in the West. And for this part of the season, the greatest drama in the NBA is happening out West. So we touched on the mellow drama. Who knows where he's going to go? I mean, I'm hearing reports now that, yeah, I'm hearing, I'm, I'm on the ground hearing reports. Say, yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> I'm, reading, I'm reading other people's Twitter. <laughs> that, that sounds yeah. better. That sounds more like what's actually happening. Uh, that, where, yeah, no, there, there's no there's no thoughts of releasing Melo. Melo's going to stay. Uh, Chris Paul said, no, he's doing he's great for our team. So who knows? Chris Paul said that? Yeah. I don't trust anything he says from now on. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to leave State Farm now because of that. I think he's contractually obligated as the president of the Players Association to say every, <laughs> every NBA player is great for their team. Well, it, the banana boat crew. Yeah. The banana, right. Right, they ride or die with the banana boat crew, man. Him, Wade, LeBron, and Melo. I've, I've seen a few tweets, memes about him going to L.A., the Lakers. No, please, no, please stop. There's no one he could take minutes from that I'd be happy about. So, please, no. Rob Palenko, Magic Johnson, no. It's a no on Mel. I don't care what LeBron says. Uh, speaking of LeBron, um, Lakers update. So, right now, they finally have a winning record. First time this year they have a winning record. Their schedule is actually pretty pretty easy over the next couple weeks. So, I wouldn't be surprised to see them actually pad this winning record a little bit. They started off against, like, I don't know, six or seven playoff teams and didn't fare well as they were kind of figuring things out. It seems like, especially since they got T- Tyson Chandler, um, they've been 3-0 and since they got him. So they actually have a backup center now because th- that was the big thing is that they'd go out, uh, often you'd see they'd have a lead and they just, as soon as the second unit came in, the defense was just, it went to shambles. And so they Especially give up. the rim protection, right? Like the perimeter yeah. defense wouldn't be as bad, but the, the rim protection was just non-existent. Yeah, when you have Kyle Kuzma as your backup five, Kuzma is a lot of things, but he is not a defensive center, okay? He's a dynamic scorer from the wing or post. Um, but in defense, you know, he has a lot of energy and he'll make plays from time to time. But he's he's not good on man-to-man defense. He's a little slow reaction-wise. And so he's just not the guy you want anchoring your defense. And so having someone tried, tested, even even a 36-year-old Tyson Chandler is an upgrade over any other option they had on the roster. Well, I remember at the beginning of the year, Luke Walton said LeBron James was going to play some five this year. And I was like, that's fine in spots. Like yeah. if they don't I think have that's a big man. fine that... for the playoffs. But yeah. you don't want to do that all. You don't want to do that for 82 games. No, absolutely not. And speaking of LeBron, he's shown some frustration, which is unlike him to show public frustration. It's tough to getting used to, you know, living in Southern California with the awesome weather near the beaches and going to celebrity parties. So I, I, I fully understand his frustration with that. Yeah. Right. I was thinking more like playing with Rajon Rondo. Oh. And uh, who's the other knucklehead that I'm, I'm blanking on? Lance right Stevenson. Lance Stevenson. Michael Beasley, take I, your pick. Yeah. That's, McGee. that's the thing. There's so many. I was like knucklehead overload. <laughs> It's like, I imagine like Charles Barkley trying to say knucklehead over and over again, yeah. but like not being knucklehead, knucklehead, knucklehead. Yeah, I think knucklehead, everyone knucklehead, knew that, knucklehead, that this, knucklehead. everyone knew that this assembly of, of talent, if you, uh, and that's in, in air quotes. Knuckleheads. Um, it was going to take some time to find some kind of rhythm, some kind of rotation. Um, yes, so, but yeah. is, is this the most difficult thing LeBron has been asked to do? Be patient for two years, build and then be the veteran leader and the most talented player on your team 
and lead a team to a title because that's what LA is all about. LA is all about getting back to winning titles. They're not interested in being a decent team again. The team of Kobe, the team of Shaq, the team of Magic and Kareem, that's a team that wants to win championships. Mm -hmm. Is this the most difficult thing LeBron has ever done, especially with that giant Golden State Warriors obstacle in front of them every single year? Is this the most difficult thing LeBron has ever done in his career? Yeah, I think if if you were taking bets right now on whether or not he'll win a championship in L.A., you'd have to bet no. I, uh, I, I think odds are he won't, even though that's what I want to happen. Um, the universe doesn't care that you want them to win, by the way. Obviously not, based on the last two baseball World Series. Um, but yeah, this this is this is hard for him. He's he's never really had to lead. Uh, not that he hasn't had to lead a young team. He's done that before but with the expectation that if you don't win a championship at some time over the next four years, it's a failure. I don't think he's had that expectation. There was, there was that expectation in, in Miami for sure, but he had two other all-stars, two other MVP quality players with him two in their prime. Two other Hall of Famers. In their prime. I mean, Dwayne yeah. Wade was an NBA champion who was a Hall of Famer, and he was very, uh, he wasn't reluctant to give up the, the top player in the organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, he wasn't. He was totally willing to take that mantle and pass it on to LeBron James, and he was totally willing to do that. And he was so welcoming to that, and it got him a couple of championships. This is a very, very different situation, obviously. Yeah. I mean, even in Cleveland, uh, when he went back that second time, he had Kyrie and he had Kevin Love and he had talent right. around him. And uh, I don't know. I think I think right now this is more difficult it, for him because he's tasted winning. It's not like his first few years in Cleveland where he was the only thing going in that entire town, yeah. in that entire state. In that entire conference, right? I mean, it's rare that he's been on a team that ha- that you haven't penciled into the finals, right? Those first, The first stint with Cleveland, most of those years you didn't, right? Maybe the last couple of years he was there, you did. But it's uh it, this is a change from the last 9 years right he's he's on a team that no one no one ex- some people don't expect to make the playoffs so yeah i think having such sustained success for so long it would be very difficult to take that big a step back and uh and to kind of change your mindset that it's not winner bust right now right it's develop right cuz I think the best thing, the the most important thing he can do this year is to build confidence in the young guys because either either they will improve dramatically and they'll be his you know second third best player on the team, or they'll improve to the point where they can be good trade bait, right? So I mean, either way, whether these players are are with him or not, I think the most important thing he can do is increase their value. And I. I I struggle with the idea of this vet trying to come in and teach them like mental whatever it is or confidence or something like that. I think LeBron's job is to teach them basketball. His job is to teach them the way to play, the way to train, the way to prepare, those types of things. And I think all that yeah. mental fortitude stuff or that confidence, that'll all come from within. And I think that preparedness that, that LeBron brings, how to study the game, how to practice, how to take care of your body, that kind of stuff, those are the kind of things that he can bring to those young guys that will then bring confidence. Yeah, no, I think the basketball skills are, are yeah, one for sure. That's a, the most important thing is to help them help them develop in, in that sense. So. so there are a couple, two more things I want to mention before we move on to another very interesting NBA happening over this last week. First is that 
uh, LeBron's old team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, are a hot, stinking mess of garbage, <laughs> and they're 2-11 and 11 right now, and they're last placed in the East. And I think this is probably the first time we've ever been able to say this ever. The Sacramento Kings have a better record than a LeBron James team. Just, I'm going to let that sink in. I would say let's look at the schedule. I think the I think the Kings schedule is going to get much more difficult, uh, and the Lakers schedule is going to get much easier. That doesn't take away the fact that the the Sacramento Kings right now are in the playoffs, and the Lakers are not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, and real quick before we wrap up NBA talk, um, all is not well in the Bay Area. Something stinks in the land of Curry. Uh-huh. I see what you did there, but I don't love it. Yeah. Oh, it's something's rotten in the land, right? Something's rotten in the land of Denmark. Something stinks. How does what? Shakespeare, you know, that Hamlet bill. The, where is it, Macbeth? I'm sorry, who? Hamlet? Yeah. What's that? Mm. I think it's like a little piece of bacon. Uh, yeah, like a, I thought a Hamlet was like a small town. Never like heard of it. Like a pig farming town. It's a Hamlet. Because yeah. it's a small town that mm. farms pigs. So, uh. Hamlet. The, the character from Toy Story. Found it. There you go. That's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Break me off a piece of that Kit Hamlet bar. Oh, yeah. We didn't rehearse that. Mm-mm. Maybe we should have. Maybe we should rehearse just in general. This is the second week it's come up, and I'm still not going to rehearse anything. <laughs> so the Warriors were playing the Clippers the other night. They were. And um, Clippers missed a shot with about four seconds left. Draymond Green rebounds, dribbles up the court. The score is tied. It's tied score. J.R. Smith wouldn't have remembered that. <laughs> and uh, KD is clapping for the ball. Clay Thompson is kind of open. Uh, but Draymond, instead of passing to two of the best shooters in the NBA, Leroy Jenkins, <laughs> decides to dribble through three Clipper defenders and uh, loses the ball as time expires. And so you could see uh, on the court that KD and Clay were, were very upset. They were, uh, you know, throwing their hands up, jawing at, at, at Draymond. Um, but then overtime ensues, um, and Warriors, even without Steph Curry, who didn't play, they should have won in regulation. They should have won in overtime. They ended up losing. Uh, and so... Everyone, you know, we kind of make fun of Draymond. Oh, what a boneheaded play. Like, what was he thinking? But then some reports come out of what happened in the locker room. Uh, apparently, the, the fighting that was happening on the court between KD and Green uh, extended to the locker room. They were upset at each other. KD and several other Warriors were, uh, were getting after Draymond for not passing the ball. And uh, Dr- Draymond apparently did not play the role of a uh, peacekeeper. He, uh, Does he ever? He did not de-escalate the situation. He's an escalator. <laughs> like he's the one, he's the one that goes goes out of his way to kick opposing players in the junk. He's not going to be the one that's like, oh, you know what, fellas, you're right, and I'm sorry. Um, and so, apparently, one of his talking points was uh, alluding to Kevin Durant's impending free agency, and um, maybe like. You know, something along the lines of, why don't you just go to the Knicks already? Or something like that, right? And we don't know exactly what was said. Um, but it, anyways, uh, lots of lots of swearing, lots of salty language, lots of hurt feelings, lots of 
drama because that's what the NBA is in November. A lot of melodrama. (laughs) And uh, so, okay, so there were reports of that and we're all thinking, oh, wow, fighting. Like, that's not super atypical in a sports locker room. No, any high competitive environment, anytime you have an ultra high competitive environment at the highest levels of whatever job field you're in, you're going to have arguments. You're going to, things are going to get heated. Yeah. And, and. You know, if if that's all that came out of it was that there were reports of them fighting, it would have been a Twitter story for a day or so until the next Warriors game, maybe. Um, but the Warriors did something that will keep it in the headlines for a while and something we'll be thinking about and talking about for the rest of the season. Uh, not only did they decide to sit Draymond for their next game, they actually suspended him. Without pay. Yeah, because, yeah, so because of the suspension, he doesn't get paid and... That's not a small chunk of change. Would you like to know how much? Sure. It's basically a small house. $120,000. Wow. So, um, yeah, I mean, so and because they did that, like, they have now taken a side, right? The Warriors organization has sided with KD over their former de- defensive player of the year, the quote-unquote heart and soul of their team, right? Their defensive anchor, Draymond Green, their... Born and bred Draymond Green over the guy who came over just two seasons ago. Uh, And so this now becomes a major story, in my opinion. And whether or not this leads to Durant's leaving the Warriors, Green's leaving the Warriors, because he's he's got one, after the season, one more year left on his deal. Well, you know he feels like the odd man out here. Steph's getting all this attention. Clay's getting all this attention for breaking records and stuff. He's still under contract. Durant's getting all this attention, and so Draymond, I'm sure, feels very left out. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, look what I've done for you. Look what I've done for the city. You don't get these championships without me, probably. Yeah. Even before Kevin Durant gets here, you don't get these championships without me. And so you're going to side with him? So I'm sure he's really upset by all this. I would love to be a fly on the wall and, right now in the locker room. And this is just going to lead to tons of intrigue and drama this summer because KD and Clay. Um, are free agents. And so you would assume the Warriors would give them whatever they wanted, which will probably be two max contracts. That, on top of what Curry makes, they're not going to have that much money left to sign Draymond Green after next season. And so this summer, we'll see where their loyalties really lie and what their plans are for Draymond. My question is, what team has Draymond Green not kicked in the junk that will sign him? Also, this all could have been avoided. Steve Kerr, call a timeout. You got four seconds left, right? You got Draymond dribbling down the court. Call a timeout. Okay, you didn't see this, but things are about to get real serious for Anthony's Fantastic Five headlines. He just loosened his belt. It's about to get real. You ready, Anthony? Ready as I'll ever be. Belt's good and loosened. You need to go down another loop. You good? It cannot be any more loose. That got weird. Okay. All right. Anthony's Fantastic Five headlines. Go. Three new inductees into the Toy Hall of Fame. Hey, happy news. Yeah. Hey, first of all, did you know there was a Toy Hall of Fame? Yeah. Sorry. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very exclusive group. There's only like something like 70 or so toys that have been inducted. Well, are you serious? Yeah. In I didn't fact, know I didn't know it was that exclusive. The book. ball. The ball was not inducted until like nine years ago. Alright, so this is a like very exclusive group. I need to know who was in before the ball. Uh I unfortunately do not have 
that information. But uh, I'm going to give you the 12 finalists. I want you to tell me which three made it into the Hall of Fame. Oh, okay? this will be fun. Hit me with it. Okay. Tickle Me Elmo. Okay. Number one. All right. Number two. Shoots and Ladders. Okay. Number three. Masters of the Universe action figures. So like He-Man. Number four. Fisher Price Corn Popper. This is the uh, the lawnmower type thing. You roll it and it pops and the balls explode. Alright. Tudor Electric Football. So this is like the game from the 1960s where you move the football players along this. Never got this yeah. thing. Never okay. got it. The thing yeah. vibrates and they move. You don't know yeah. what they're gonna do. I never got that. Anyway. Chalk. Oh. Chalk. Just chalk. Yeah, white okay. chalk. Yep. American girls dolls. Oh, okay. The sled. <gasps> Rosebud. As in the slide on snow sled. Whoa, that's a hard yeah, sentence. Yeah, say it again, say it slide again. Slide on snow sled. Yeah, the slide on snow sled. Whew. Uno. Dos. Magic eight ball. Mm. And a couple more. Pinball. Okay. Tic-tac-toe. Is that a toy? They, Im- they include games as well. Okay. Uh, and that's it. Okay, and so let me give you the, the criteria. Please. Okay, so the Toyo Hall of Fame has four criteria. Icon status, which they define as the toy is widely recognized, respected, and remembered. Longevity, the toy is more than a passing fad and has enjoyed popularity over multiple generations. Discovery, the toy fosters learning, creativity, or discovery through play. And last and most important, perhaps, innovation. The toy profoundly changed play or toy design. A toy may be inducted on the basis of this criterion alone without necessarily having met all of the first three. And the ball didn't make it till nine years ago? <laughs> okay, David. So of those 12 we talked about, okay. what are your three? Okay, my three guesses as to what they inducted into the Hall of Fame are the ones I would want to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't care. Okay, really thought this through. I appreciate that. Okay, I think Tickle Me Elmo changed the world and creeped people out uh the american girls dolls and pinball you were one for three hey i'll take it yeah your your three not your three inductees this year are pinball oh got it nice magic eight ball yeah and uno yeah not thrilled with their selection the sled the poor piece of wood sled rosebud rosebud it's a citizen cane oh my goodness okay all right. It's a film, Anthony. Mm. I can't even call it a movie. It's mm. classic literature. It's a film. Fantastic headline number two. U-Haul truck hoisted out of empty Las Vegas pool. Yeah, Vegas. <laughs> it's either Vegas or, Nova- or, or, or Florida. Or Florida. Yeah. And sometimes Texas. Right. Uh, okay, so this was funny. The um, guy was driving a U-Haul into his... He had a... The entrance to his garage was through his backyard. Like a gate in his backyard. There was also a pool in his backyard, okay? So he opens the gate, and the driveway kind of is near the pool. And um, he said uh, he, he was having trouble getting over the curb, and someone said, hit the gas. So he hits the gas, and his shoe, there's the story, his shoelace got caught in the accelerator, the gas pedal, and he couldn't lift up his foot from the gas pedal, and so he drove straight into the pool. And so you, there's a video on Facebook of them lifting this this U-Haul truck out of out of the pool. Apparently, it cost three thousand dollars just to get it out of the pool. Um, but good on this guy. He bought the insurance, and apparently, U-Haul said they're going to cover it. Nice. 
Moral of this story, when someone tells you to do something in Vegas, don't do it. Fantastic headline number three. Drones high-tech bike theft attempt caught on camera. Okay, this is a, this is a, a video you have to see to believe. There's some guys, they ride their bikes and they're like hiking. They're actually going up some stairs and... Um, and I think they've got like GoPros or something on. And um, all of a sudden they turn towards their bicycles, which they left at, at the bottom of this like really big staircase. And there's a drone flying over one of the bikes. And it's got something hanging from it, this, this drone, okay? And all of a sudden it like attaches to the bike. We're not sure if it's a magnet or a claw, but it's like the bike is all of a sudden just like pegged to, to whatever's hanging from this drone and the drone lifts up and starts flying away with the bike the guy starts running down the stairs to try and catch his bike he throws his helmet at it and nothing the video cuts out and i don't we don't get any kind of resolution so my that, that's apropos for this podcast <laughs> by the way yeah uh, so i'm afraid this is going to lead to a whole new uh whole new category of crime drone theft like you've got cameras on drone, you stick a heavy enough magnet and you have a strong enough drone, you can steal some pretty significant things. I mean, you get an army of drones and you can steal cars. So is this like, the Han Solo movie did this. <laughs> They're basically doing what the Han Solo movie did in the train where they take the train and they, they cut yes. these off and they like mag lev it out of there. It's exactly that. Oh my gosh, in real life? Yes, Kay. life imitating art. Yeah. Yeah, that checks out. I have to see this video now. Okay. Fantastic headline number four. What's in a number? Dutchman, 69, seeks age change to 49. This is getting ridiculous. This is just, no. Your age isn't something you choose. Like, my wife tells me all the time, inside, I'm 14. <laughs> okay? And I know that's not a compliment, but I turn it into one every time. I'm young at heart, sweetheart. Uh, but no, you, you were born a certain year. You can't change when you were born. Come off it, guy. Yeah, so th this uh, Dutch man uh, citing um, concerns about age discrimination and um, his ability to, uh, to meet the fairer sex on online apps. Um, he, uh, he's appealing to a, uh, a Dutch court to allow him to legally change his age from so, 69 to 49. So basically he wants to be able to lie about his age to get women. Yeah, he says, you know, I have the body and and the mind of a 40 something year old. Sure guy. <laughs> Why can't I reflect that legally? The science checks out. <laughs> I feel 49, Yeah. so I am 49. Yeah, um, can you imagine if that worked? Like. If that were actually upheld. Oh yeah, like when I go, when we go to the movie tomorrow, I'm gonna be 65. Yeah. I identify as a 65 year old. Hmm. Give me that discount. Popcorn for free for seniors? Yes, please. Fantastic headline number five. And perhaps one of my favorite headlines uh, since the inception of this podcast. Dead man turns up two months after burial. Is this like a member of The Walking Dead? Is this like a member of The Grateful Dead? Um, this is a man from Kazakhstan. So, I don't know if this is like something that happens frequently in Kazakhstan, um, but the story is that, and I'm gonna try to pronounce this guy's names, Igali Subigailiv. <laughs> that was just bad. Let's just call him Igali Subigailiv. Let's call him Igali. So, Igali, um, who according to friends was 
prone to wander for a week or two, whatever that means. <laughs> he uh, all of a sudden disappeared for like four months. Uh, he went out to like the market and just never came back. And, you know, concerned family and friends looked for him. A body was eventually found. I don't know what condition this body was in. Oh, it says badly burned. Okay, so I guess burned beyond recognition. But they had his DNA, the, the body's DNA tested, and it came back with 99.2% certainty that it was a galley. So, family and friends mourned, the uh, authorities issued a death certificate, they buried this body, and, um, well, they thought they had lost their, their poor Igali. Until four months later, sorry, two months later, he walks through the door. So the story was that <laughs> one morning he left, went to the market, got approached by someone about a job, took the job in a nearby village, worked there for like four months, and when the job was done, he walked home, as you do, right? Um... <laughs> So, here's my story, or here's my question from the story. Who did they bury? Who was that person? Was, was, are there just like burned bodies in Kazakhstan? Are there just dead lining the streets in Kazakhstan? Are, are there no other reports of like someone missing? The, the DNA anal uh, analyst said, um, said that she stood by her 99.2% finding, but also said, you must never forget that other 0.8%. <laughs> because right? that 0.8% might be another burnt body. So <laughs> I, I'm flabbergasted by the story. The last paragraph of the story, though, really got to me. It said, the soupy guy leaves, the family's name, whatever that family name, who had paid for a tombstone, commissioned a stone shrine over the grave of the in the Kazakh tradition, and even returned pension payments for the two months that Igali was dead, are considering legal action. Against who? I don't know. Now, that's the thing, like, instead of being, like, overjoyed that their lost Igali came home, they're like, what? You were supposed to be dead. We sue. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't make this up. Those are your five fantastic headlines of the week. My goodness. Oh, Europe is the Florida of the world. <laughs> okay, so... I wanted to get into college football for just two seconds. Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan. That's your top four in that order. If that sounds familiar to you, it's because it's the exact same top four as last week. Big surprise. Yeah. Shocker. The, the, the two games to watch for the last three weeks of the season, one, Alabama-Georgia when they play in the SEC championship. Georgia's currently ranked five. If the fifth-ranked team beats the number one ranked team, it's hard for me to find a, a good argument to keep them out. But that would mean that either Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, or Michigan do not make it. Alabama will be in. They could lose the next four games and they'd be in. Clemson doesn't really have a hard game left on its schedule. Notre Dame, I think they play USC, who has not been great this year. Yeah. Um, I don't think really any other challenges. Michigan, they do play Ohio State. One, they could lose, but I, I like the way they're playing. Um, so if, if these teams win out, that's your four. If Georgia wins or Ohio State wins, um, someone else could sneak in. We'll see. That's all I got at college football. Real quick, let's go over the MLB awards because the MLB okay. awards just came out. So your MVP candidates for the AL are Trout, Betts, and Ramirez. 
Okay, in the NL, you have Javi Baez, Arenado, and Yelich. I think we can all agree that Yelich is probably going to run away with that. He almost won the Triple Crown, and he performed pretty well in the playoffs. I yeah. think he'll mm-hmm. win. I think yeah. I think he did okay. Yeah. I think he'll win the MVP there. For the Cy Young Award in the AL, you have Kluber, Verlander, and some guy named Snell. <laughs> uh, in the NL, you have DeGrom, who, who like is the only good thing coming out of Mets baseball right now. That and Tim Tebow, who might start in AAA. We talked about that last year, uh, mm-hmm. last week. Uh, Max Scherzer, who had a heck of a season for the Nationals, and Aaron Nola. Okay. So that's interesting. Yeah, I think your winners are Mookie Betts, Christian Yelich. Mm, I'm going to go with Kluber and then DeGrom, but we'll see. Rookies of the Year, uh, Shohei Otani won the American League Rookie of the Year award. Uh, Braves outfielder Ronald Acuna Jr. won the National League Rookie of the Year award. And uh, who cares about the other stuff? AL Manager of the Year. <laughs> I think Alex Cora should have won that. First year manager yeah, taking that team to the that's true. Year, He should have won that. And I and I know the Manager of the Year kind of goes to the manager who takes their team from a low expected win total to a high expected win total. But the job that Alex Cora did with the Red Sox all year, and especially in the postseason, he deserves a lot more credit than not being the AL Manager of the Year award, if you ask me. Yeah, one of the hardest things to do in sports is to maintain success, to sustain success throughout the course of a season. And they started hot, and they kept it up. So, yeah, I I agree with that. So, some sad news to end the show, but um, I think we can all be be happy with the the long life that he had. Stan Lee... um, creator of many comic book superheroes um passed away this week and uh so i just wanted to talk quickly about uh my favorite stanley characters my favorite marvel character who's actually not a stanley character is wolverine love wolverine but my favorite um stanley character and he had a number of of awesome uh awesome characters that he created he created iron man spider-man um the incredible hulk the thing Anyways, uh, I think I'd probably go with the Hulk in terms of Stan Lee created characters. Um, I just love the the duality of that su- that superhero, the Bruce Bannon and the Hulk. Um, so yeah, probably mine. David, what's your uh, your favorite Stan Lee character? I mean, there are so many good ones, but I definitely have to go with Shocker. That's a shocker. Shocker. Wow. Can you tell us more about Shocker? No, I was supposed to, we were supposed to end the show on me saying some random unknown superhero that he invented that would have been a really funny way to end it.